Amen. Thank you, Kelly and Jen, Bob and Tom. Good morning. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to build disciples who love God, who love people, who walk in grace, who grow in faith. And we do this by gathering in groups and exploring the way that God has gifted us and then using those gifts to serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people and gather together so that we would walk in grace, grow in faith, gather in groups to explore our gifts, and then generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people. Right? And, and so we, we, we do this, and, and so part of how we do this is, is we gather we were talking about this this morning and uh, just before service that uh, you know, part of what we do in this Advent season is, is we begin to posture our lives and we look at how we're living our lives so that we expose ourselves to the greatest opportunity for the Lord to work in and through us. And, and if you can hear my voice, you're participating in that. You're already taking part in God's redemptive work. You're coming here you're gathering with believers to sing songs about who he is and what he's done, to listen to the proclamation of the word, to give of our gifts and our tithes and our offerings. We're already beginning, we're taking steps on this process of restoration. And one of the ways that we, so we, as I said, we do this in a number of different ways through singing, gathering, giving our gifts. We'll do it through the preaching but before we get too much further, we're going we're gonna to take some time and we're going to express this through communion. And so communion is a, a sacred meal that's been celebrated throughout the Christian tradition. It's been celebrated a number of different frequencies, depending on what your background is. Sometimes it'll be daily, monthly, weekly, twice a year, but we all do it. And so especially as we call to mind the, the liturgical readings that we've been reading for the last few weeks and how we, we bind together as a believing church throughout the world and throughout time, not just here at 824 Laurel Street at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, but throughout Crow Wing County, throughout central Minnesota, throughout the upper Midwest, throughout North America, throughout the world. And throughout time. And so we think about the churches and the saints who have gone before us, who have enabled us to be here, and how we're equipping the future generations to continue to do what we're doing and partake in this restoration. And so, one teeny little piece of how we do this is we partake of communion. So as, we, as we do communion, we've got um, some stuff set out, or so the elements are set out to the right and to the left some gluten free crackers and some juice. And I think, well, what, what's so important about this? Why, why is, you know, what's the big deal? When we, as, so, as we partake in this, we do at least two things. One, we, we reaffirm who we are as believers. We're saying, yes, Lord, all my hope, all my trust, all my faith is in you, your life, your death, your resurrection. And I'm all in. And so it reaffirms who we are and helps us to, to reorient ourselves at who we are. And all of our life is, is out of this identity, this fundamental identity, as we've been speaking about in Ephesians, if you were here over the last few weeks or last few months, of those who are far off being brought near, not by our own works, but by the work of Christ. And then it also communicates to those around you that we're in this together. 
We often say that in, in the world of backpacking, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so if we're going to do this, if, if we, the church, is going to go the distance, we can't go it alone, can we? This is a team fight. We don't do this alone. We don't do well on our own. And so the way that we do communion here at Communitas is we celebrate what's called open communion, which means you don't necessarily have to be a member of Communitas, but we would ask that you would be a repentant follower of Jesus. And so if that is you, you are welcome to come to the table. We plead for you to come to the table and join us. And, and if it's not, and I know that in a room this large and with this many folks, there's bound to be a few people that are just going, yeah, I'm just kind of kicking around the tires on this thing. I'm not really sure if this, if this Jesus train is something I want to get on. We're glad that you're here. These are a good group of people for you to ask those questions. We're going to take a time of silence, and this is a time of, of, of no, no hurry. Okay, throughout, we've got plenty of time in our life for, for structure and for being on time, for being early, and for being late. But in this time, we abandon that. And we avail ourselves to the Lord. And we work on, on His chronology, on His timeline. And so we're going to take a few moments, and then as you're ready, come on forward, grab the elements to the right and to the left, Bring them back to your seat. I'll read some words from Scripture, and we'll partake together. And you think, man, silence? Like, how long are we going to do this? You know, like, remember when we first started? It was like 30 seconds. Like, oh, we're going to take some time in silence. <clears throat> 30 seconds. Bam, okay. And that was fun. That was neat. And if you've noticed, like, we stretch it out now. It's like five minutes that we'll just sit in silence. And it's always funny, you know, I remember talking to some folks where it's like, I, they said, I, I don't want to be the first one to break the I don't want to be the first one in line because there's something unique about being able to sit and listen communally. And it's a discipline that's, that's kind of difficult, right? I mean, especially I don't, for me, like there's a podcast I could probably listen to or a book I could read or, you know, a bike ride to go on or whatever it is. But, you know, and so like in our Western society, we're so wired to do and to go. But what does it look like to take a few moments just to listen as a group of people to what the Lord is, is telling us, not just individually, but for us communally? And so we're going to ask a few questions in this time. We're going to say, who is God and what has he done? Who is God the Son and how did he live his life and how does that reflect the way that I should live my own? And then who is God the Holy Spirit and what is the Holy Spirit doing in and through me? I'm going to pray that you call to mind specific names and faces, times and places uh, where, where we may have not done as we ought to. And we're going to pray that he would convict us of, of sin in those areas. And there may be times when he's also confirming in us the things that we're doing that are good, that we would continue to do those. All that we would better convey the gospel more clearly and more broadly to those around us. So who is God the Father and what has he done? Who is God the Son? How did he live his life? And how does that show me how I should live my life? And who is God the Holy Spirit? And how is he working in and through me that I would be better uh, know my sin, be confirmed in what I'm doing that's good, that I would continue to do that, that I would better convey the gospel to the world around us. So if you join me as I continue to pray, we'll enter into our time of silence. And then as you're ready, come on forward, grab the elements, Bring them back to your seat 
and we will all partake of the meal together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for another day. You know, though the light is long, the sun will rise. And Jesus, we thank you for your resurrection. We thank you that you show us that there's, there's no fear to be had in the darkness. For your resurrecting light is on the other end. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that that light exists within those who believe in you. We pray that you continue to work in and through us at this church. That we continue to convey your truth to the world around us. Pray in this time you'd convict us of our sin. That we'd be able to become more like you. Confirm in us what we're doing that puts us on that process. Every year, Jesus and his friends would get together and they'd celebrate this meal. Just kind of like, you know, we have various meals that we celebrate on an annual basis, right? And so, I mean, some of us in the next few weeks are going to partake in, in maybe one, maybe more meals with, with friends and family. And they have a, a certain rhythm to them, right? I mean, there's always going to be certain vegetables that are just going to be thrown away later because the, there's going to be Christmas ham, or you know whatever else it is that you're into, um, and 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 certain people are going to show up early, certain people are going to be late, certain people will be on time, okay, and there's there's certain protocols that we follow, and and so much like those meals, Jesus and his friends are are celebrating this meal that had a rhythm and a script to it, and what it was meant to do was help them to remember that that years and years ago their people had been enslaved by a world superpower. But that the Lord put that superpower in the shade and rescued His people and brought them near. Rescued them from their slavery and brought them to freedom to a, a promised land. Extended His grace and His mercy and brought them peace. And so they're doing that to celebrate this. And, and Jesus kind of rewrites the script a little bit and extends this invitation, not just to the disciples, but begins to, to bring it out throughout all the world. And he says, Now as they were eating, he took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Knowing that that body would break, and his blood would pour out, he took the cup, and when he given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this forgiveness, this covenant that you've extended to those who believe in you. We pray that it would continue to, a, to form who and how we are, that we would continue to extend this grace to those around us, that we continue to seek your peace and your kingdom. Amen. Okay, at this time there are some blue buckets that are going to make their way around. Uh, feel free to take your cups and pitch them in there, and we will dispose of them for you. And at this time, uh, we're going to have Oliver and Sam, Lonnie and Matt are going to make their way up, and we'll be reading. Uh, so normally we, we just go through, uh, for all but four weeks out of the year, we just take a, a book of the Bible and we just go through a section of Scripture each week. And, and 
during Advent, we just we follow the, the liturgical readings. And part of why we do that is it kind of calls to mind and, and helps us to see the overarching narrative and prepare us for the Christmas season. And, and then we also then can partake with the rest of the church throughout the world that's also doing some of these same readings and, and helps to prepare us. And so we're going to be in, and you don't have to turn to each of these. Uh, if you can remember it all, you're... Uh, um, your, your mind works differently than mine does. Um, but we'll be in Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7, and 17 through 19. Oliver will read that. And then Isaiah 7, verses 10 through 16, Matthew 1, 18 through 25, and concluding with Romans 1, 1 through 7. If you'd like to follow along in a paper Bible, you feel free to do that. If you want to follow along in a mobile device, feel free to take, your, take that out and tap swipe and do whatever it else is you need to do. Um, but today the words will be displayed on the screen behind me. So, uh, Oliver, whenever you are ready. You who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth. For Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. Let your hand rest on the man at the at the at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. Isaiah seven. Again the Lord spake to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, it is too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Now the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. After he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give her birth to a son. And they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord angel had commanded. He married her, and he did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son. And he named him Jesus. Morning. Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was descendant from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Matt, Lonnie, Oliver, and Sam. And thank you, Lord, for your word, the way that we're able to read it, see this story, help it, help it to, to move within us. We pray, Lord, for your church around the world where they don't get to read it like we do, where they don't have it in as many translations as we do. And God, I pray that we would use the abundance of our resources to bless those around us, to bring your kingdom to fruition. Amen. Okay, at this time, kids, you know what to do. I'm a little bit excited about that. Lord, we thank you for these kids, the opportunity that it is to do life alongside of them, to be a part of the kingdom with them. Lord, we thank you for these teachers, that they would take the time to, to volunteer to disciple your kids. Lord, we know that it is not a second-class occupation to spend time with any one of your people. So we're so glad. We're so thankful. Amen. I don't remember where I found this, um, but I found it somewhere, and it was in pretty tough shape. It's a double-bladed double axe head. And... Uh, when I was in seminary, I, I sat inside a lot, and if you've spent any time around me, you know that that's a pretty quick way for me to lose my mind. And um, so, and, uh, and I like to do things with my hands, and there's something about um, restoration. Like, I used to watch those old car shows where they, you know, they take, they take these old cars that, you know, they pull them out of a junkyard or a field or something somewhere, and then they shine them up and, and polish them and, and make them new. And I was always impressed by that. I was like, that's not part of the Mike Gary skill set, but it's really definitely part of the Mike Gary fascination. And I wondered if that's something, if there's something innate in us about that, you know, because a lot of us partake in, in various types of restoration, whether it's old cars or old tools, um, or maybe it's, you know, through the garden um, or in the home. And there's all these different ways that, you know, through, through, through food or uh, through music, all these different ways that we kind of partake and kind of push back against the ramifications and the outcome 
of the fall and, and the destruction of the world and kind of the, the tired, worn out nature that we find it, right? And so there, I think there's something in all of us that we kind of appreciate when the old things get made new again. And, and so when we, when we read about David, I need to remember to not leave that up here when I get off the stage. So when we read that David is, you know, this prayer, so remember that, that throughout uh, the history of the nation of Israel, they were there, they, I mean, when, when God, he takes Abraham and he, and he sets him apart, right? so he's set apart, so he's made holy, we talked about this, I think, last week, you know, so this idea of set apart, sanctified, is, you know, God's work in us to make him like him, and, and so he's, he's set the, the nation apart that they would, he's blessed them that they would bless the world around them. And say, hey, you know, teeny little Israel, you know, you, you couldn't really do anything on your own, so I, I'm going to bless you so that you can show my greatness, my glory, and my grandeur to the world around them. And, and it takes a long, long time, and they, they kind of wander around the desert for a while. Um, and, and then finally, so David is, is, is there, and, and, and David becomes the king, and it looks like there's some stability coming to the nation of Israel. It looks like things might actually come about the way that, that, that the Lord had said they would. And, and David is pleading with God, knowing that they've just, he, you know, he's, he's, he's read the history. He knows his own life. He knows the human heart. And he knows that, gosh, I'm going to get it one day and I'm going to blow it for the rest of the week. And then I'm going to get it for a day and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up for the next five. And I'm going to get it for an hour and then I'm going to spend the rest of the day in utter confusion. Right, so David knows this, and he's pleading to the Lord three times in, in Psalm 80. He says, Restore us, O God, let your sh face shine that we would be saved. He knows that there's nobody who can restore him but the Lord. There's nobody who can restore Israel but the Lord. He says, there, he goes, even, and, and this is the king, right? He knows. He's like, I, I do not possess the power in myself and in my authority and in what I can do and what I can't do to be able to get these people to change. Because I know it is only going to come from you, God. It's only by your might. Only you can restore us. And if we fast forward a few hundred more years, then all of a sudden there's this dialogue that we get to see between King Ahaz and Isaiah. And Isaiah was a, was a prophet that lived in the court with uh, these various kings. And so he lives through three of them, and Ahaz is one of them. And Ahaz is not very competent. Easy to say when we look back. I'd probably be, you know, no better, probably far worse uh, were I in that situation. And so they have this dialogue. And Ahaz is, is all puffed up because he thinks, oh, I'm the king. I got this all figured out. It'll be cool. But he's, he's getting kind of nervous because there's, uh, there's this other, so he's in, in Judah, the southern kingdom, and up north, there's this guy, Pekah. And Pekah is, is also a king of, of Israel, the northern kingdom. Is in, they're in this civil war. And Pekah decides he's going to call on this guy named Rezin. And Rezin is the king of Syria, which is way bigger than Israel and Judah combined. And he says, hey, uh, let's go down and let's pick on, on Ahaz. And Ahaz is a little bit nervous. Because, it, you know, like, he's on his own. He's the king, and he realizes, I'm outgunned and I'm outmanned. This is not going to go well for me. And so he's kind of thinking this over, and he knows, or he should know, that he's the king of a nation that's been blessed to bless him, that the Lord will be his provider. And, then, and if he thinks back throughout his history, he'd see the way that the Lord has continued to provide, continue to provide, continue to provide. 
but he doesn't. He forgets. Instead of looking to the Lord, he looks to himself, and he says, oh, I, I can't do this. And while he's pondering whether or not he should call this guy Tiglath-Pileser, and be like, hey, you're, you're the king of, a, of another big country. Why don't, you know, let's, let's all wage war together. Isaiah comes to him and he says, hey, time out. Before you do that, the Lord has sent me to tell you something. The Lord has said, ask for a sign. So signs were, they were immediate, and it was to show that God was with you. And, it was, and so he says, hey, ask for a sign. Wish for anything you want. High as heavens, low as Sheol. Ask whatever you want, and I'll show it to you that you would believe that I am who I say that I am, and I will do what I have promised that I will do. And what does Ahaz do? I love this. He says, I will not ask. I will not put my Lord to the test. Are you kidding me? The Lord is right there asking you to do that. Why would you not? He's saying, ask whatever you want. But he's afraid. Because if the Lord shows up the way that he's promised to, then Ahaz has to, has to follow. And he has to change. And he has to, all of a sudden, like that, that's different. He doesn't get to be in charge anymore. There's a huge social risk that he has to take. So speaking of social risks, fast forward 700 more years, we've got the story of Matthew. Joseph and his, and his girlfriend are hanging out, and we don't know how, but all of a sudden, Joseph finds out that his girlfriend is pregnant, and he's not the dad. That's awkward. And so he's trying to figure out, you know, so he's a righteous man. So, with this, so, so he's trying to save face. He's like, I can't just... I can't just walk away and, you know, like, yeah, how is this going to go down? What am I going to do so that the people around me don't think that, you know, I'm a bad guy? And so then he has this dream, which dreams are also, um, so Matthew, when he writes this, when he says he has a dream that's to communicate to the reader that this is from the Lord. And so the Lord comes to Joseph and he says, hey, man. Stay with her. Name him Jesus, Emmanuel. And this would have just blown Joseph's mind, right? Because Jesus was a fairly common name. There's only one Emmanuel. There's only one Savior. And so, so he wakes up and, and, and he does it, right? And so we see in Ahaz, there's a request that's been given, and he declines. The Lord says, hey, Will you do this? Will you do this small thing for me? Will you just ask me to, to show up? Ahaz won't do it. And there's fewer dialogue between Ahaz and the Lord later on. Joseph says, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. And that, and that becomes the pattern the next time the Lord communicates with, with Joseph. This is, this is kind of how it goes. The Lord speaks and Joseph obeys. And then the Lord speaks to Joseph again because he has his ear. And he speaks and he obeys. And it'd be easy to, I know that we can, we can talk a lot about the virgin birth, but I want to talk a little bit for a moment about the Holy Spirit. Right? We see, like sometimes we can get tripped up with that, but it's really, it's like that's the amazing piece. 
that the Holy Spirit is working through Mary. And, and so this child is conceived out of the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? That no longer is, is this blessing coming just through this line. So for so long, right, it was all about your family lineage. And if you could trace it back to Abraham, you were in. And if you couldn't, well, here's hoping. Because, he's, because Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit, it's no longer about whose family you're in, your ethnic background, your socioeconomic status. All of a sudden it becomes available to all. And so that's what we read about in Romans. I just want to read part of Romans 1 again. This is Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart. Here's that idea of sanctified again. Set apart for the gospel of God. He says, to all those in Rome. Verse 7. Who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the cosmic coming of Christ worked in Paul's life to bring restoration to his soul, and as a result, the gospel continues to spread. The cosmic coming of Christ worked through Christ in, in the lives of the disciples that, that they would have breakfast on a beach somewhere and then go out and make disciples out of all the nations. And so when we read this to those in Rome, the restoration that David had prayed for, that Ahaz didn't want to partake in, that Isaiah was trying to get all the kings and all the people in, in all of, of Judah to understand for all that time, that restoration is coming true. It's to all those in Rome. So it was no longer just a message to, to one little country tucked into the Fertile Crescent. Right? Paul saying to the saints in Rome. And what happens in Rome at that time? Everything happened in Rome. If you were anybody, you had a tie to Rome. Rome was the epicenter of the world at that time. And so what, what went out from there went out throughout most of the known world. And so he says, to those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Set apart to be saints. Not just as far as our condition, but our position. So long, so it's, it's, it's really easy to kind of sit back and go, well, no, I, I, I'm not restored. I'm, I'm, I'm broken. There's, there's parts of me that are, you know, I, I'm in, I'm in desperate need of restoration. I'm this, I'm this axe head that's been pulled out of the, out of the gutter and I'm, I'm, I just, I need to get cleaned up before I can be effective. No, you don't have to be cleaned up before you can be effective. Because it's not about you. It's about the Lord and what He's done and is doing and will continue to do through you and through us. And so what do we see in this? We see that the God who restores is extending us grace and peace. Grace, unmerited favor. Something we, we didn't do anything for that. And not just peace as far as a lack of annoyance or irritation or agitation, but, but that peace that comes from 
from being in the presence of the Lord and having that presence be a continual deepening within your life and within your soul. And so why is it important that we see that the God who restores is extending us grace and peace? Well, because then we can stop trying to measure up. We can stop playing the game like Ahaz does. Thinking that he has to figure it out all on his own. And we can step back and we can see the bigness of God. There's, there's two, peop- two different types of people. There's those who see God as big and those, are those who see God as small. Ahaz is in the second camp. And when we begin to see that the God who restores extends us grace and mercy and, and peace, then the more we see that, the more we see how big God is. And if we don't, then we end up running from who God has called us to be. And we become stagnant like Ahaz does. And we try to earn affection and we force others to do the same. Has anyone, anyone ever noticed that? Where it's like we, you know, we often give and receive love in the same way. And so if you're always trying to earn it, you're going to force others to try to earn it. And then you're always going to take your best image of, of your best self and you're going to compare it to their worst or your perceived worst. And continue to place undue expectations on one another. But then what should we do then when we see that, that the God who restores is extending you grace and peace? Well, this should begin to change the way that we see the kingdom, right? And that should change the way that we take part in the kingdom of God and we'll begin to orient in our life so that we would see this, that we will partake in this, that we'd, that we'd grow to understand this more. And so we would and, and I often say, like, you know, we can, you can tell a lot by, by what I truly value if you look at what my calendar and my checkbook. How do I use my my resources? How do I use what I've been given? Do I use that to glorify the Lord, to partake in His kingdom, to to posture myself in such a way that I would continue to receive grace, that I would grow in this deep understanding of His continual presence and experience that peace? Or would my calendar and my checkbook indicate that I'm trying to earn it? And so let's live out of the identity that we have been restored. That He has called us to be saints. That the prayer of David has answered. Cosmic coming of Christ, the Emmanuel, who we will celebrate in two more days. There are plenty of options for salvation. There's only one who will truly save. There are plenty of Jesuses. There is only one Emmanuel. And he, and he bids us come. Come along. And so as we think about how the Lord spoke to both Ahaz and Joseph, and you know, why do you think that one obeyed and one didn't? And, and what does that stir within you? And how do you see yourself in those two stories? And then in those... I mean, what do you do when the Lord tells you to do something that just seems so outside of your thinking, right? I mean, the Lord shows up in a dream and tells Joseph, hey, stay with your girlfriend. I know that you're a righteous guy and you've been working for a long time to kind of uphold this image 
and this is going to totally tear that to shreds. I'm asking you to stick your neck out for me on this one. Right? It doesn't make any sense. He's never heard a story like this before. And so what do we do when the Holy Spirit calls us to do something that man just doesn't quite make sense? Will we accept a bigger picture of God than we're currently imagining? Why is it so difficult to see God in His glory? What are we putting in the way? How are we situating our lives so that we could see Him more clearly? We could see Him for how big He is. And what are we doing that hinders our own growth? You know, like so many times it's not, it's just, it's me. Right? There's so many things that, that when I look at my life, I go, oh yeah, if I just didn't choose to do that, I would probably have a, a clearer picture of who God is. I would know this deep sense of peace. And then what type of restoration needs to take place in our lives? What type of restoration needs to take place between us and God? What type of restoration needs to take place between us and our neighbor? Even within ourselves. And are we going to try to do that on our own? Or are we going to allow God to extend us that grace and that peace? And what does it look like to accept that unmerited favor? In a culture that says, oh, you got to earn it. You got to do something. You got to chip in in some way. But God says, no, no, no. I got dinner. I got the tip. And I'll pay for the cab home. It's cool. I got it all. You don't owe me anything. And what does it look like to live in that peace, that sense of, of, of shalom? where our life is marked by a continual washing of the presence of God. The very same, by, the, you know, by the power of the very same Holy Spirit that conceived Jesus has brought him out of the grave that is alive within the hearts of all believers. And what does it look like for us to extend that grace to those around us? How do we bring that sense of peace to our classmates, to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to the people we see at the gym, at the supermarket, out and about town? So as we think about, you know, throughout this next week, we're going to be in, maybe it's, how do we extend that peace to your, to the family? Anybody going somewhere? Going to spend some time with some family this week that's, you're not really sure how that's going to go? Bit of a dice game? Anybody else? Okay. The God of restoration is extending grace and peace to you. Unmerited favor. Continual presence of the Lord. Not because of anything that you've done. Because of what he's done. This covenant that he's invited us into. 
blessing us that we would bless those around us. This story is true and is coming true in the lives of each one of us. So as we hear God's voice, we remember, we remind, and we rejoice. Let's remember that God is the God of restoration. Let's remind one another that we bear that restoration and that we've been called to take part in that restoration. And let's rejoice that he extends grace and peace to us. Stand as we sing. Restoration. The God of restoration is working in and through you. So as we go out this week, may we bring that restoration, extend that grace and that peace to the world around us. And let us continue to rejoice that he is with us. We'll see you all here on uh, Christmas Eve at 4 o'clock. Bring your singing voices. Bring your kids. It's going to be a good time. Uh, Join us in the back for some simple carbohydrates, some caffeinated beverages. Go in peace. Peace.